The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So often in our practice, as we begin to investigate what's going on inside our minds, we encounter... Hmm, ways in which our mind struggles, struggles with its relationship really often to what's happening. And uh, often in that relationship is where the suffering is found. We like certain things, we don't like certain things, kind of dancing around, trying to construct reality the way we'd like it to be. Uh, And not so often just kind of coming into alignment and saying, oh, this is the way it is right now. One thing I want to point to, though, I mean, often this can get misunderstood or misinterpreted in a way um, when we explore this is the way it is right now, this is not a passive stance. It is, uh, it is more of an honest recognition of this is what is already here. And then in seeing that, in being able to really deeply connect with what is already here and not resisting it, not holding on to it, from that place there's more of an opportunity to respond to what is already here with wisdom, with compassion, with love. And so the, uh, this exploration of kind of coming in to see what's actually going on and to kind of drop below or to explore what are our reactions, try to hold those with some, some mindfulness. This supports us in connecting with what is actually here in a way that creates some balance in our mind. And that balance or equanimity isn't, isn't a a place of indifference, and it isn't a place of non-responsiveness. And so I just want to say that because sometimes this uh, language of stepping into accepting the way things are, accepting what is, or allowing what's here to be here, uh, we might think it means that we're just kind of settling passively and letting things roll over us. But in my experience, that's not what happens. But what does happen is that we begin to understand this reactivity. We begin to see how it works in our minds. And so this is a lot of what happens for us as we bring mindfulness to our experience. As we explore what's going on, we see the ways our mind kind of is fighting with things as they actually are. And when we see that, you know, sometimes I've, I've heard people um, practicing for a while, they, they might um, see or say, you know, I've seen this so many times and I see it's not useful to be, to be responding with or to be reacting out of frustration and anger and greed and confusion. I see it's not useful. Why, why do I keep doing this? And so there's this question of why. 
And often this question of why is something that it's, it's maybe an orientation of, of some of how we're raised sometimes, that particularly in, in this country and in perhaps a certain thread of our uh, culture, there's a real emphasis on understanding why things ha- are happening. Really... Um, trying to figure things out, analyze things. This was, this was a real strong pattern for me, for sure. And the why um, things are happening, there's a, certain, there's a certain aspect of the practice of looking into our own minds that does begin to help us understand why things are happening. And yet our habit of looking for the why, our habit of trying to understand why things are happening. And this this happens for us in our meditation practice and it also happens for us as we begin to explore what's going on in our in our daily lives, which we're doing this week. Some of us are doing a, a week long non residential retreat looking at what's going on in our daily lives and we meet our minds in uh, spades in our daily lives because you know that's this is where we're running into all of our habits and patterns um, and so there's this kind of tendency to kind of look at or try to figure out well why why is the mind doing this why am I doing this why we're doing things is usually at least to, to some good extent, connected to conditions. conditions. There's lots of different kinds of conditions. Conditions from the past come into play. Conditions of the way things are right now come into play. Conditions of our mind right now comes into play. And a lot of, a lot of our... Um, how we are right in this moment is conditioned by our history, by our past, by how our families were, by the kind of education we had, by the economic um, benefits or uh, lack thereof that we had uh, as children. So so much of, of how we are in this moment is based on conditions of our lives and conditions of how we learned to respond to things. And so this is useful to understand. In fact, I think just understanding alone that something is conditioned is very powerful. But we don't necessarily have to understand all the details about that conditioning. In fact... some aspects of this conditioning are a piece of what the Buddha talked about in his teaching on karma, on the kinds of causal, relational, conditioned nature of our experience. And he talked about how our choices in the present moment kind of 
lead to conditions unfolding in a particular way, choices from the past, things that we've done in the past, ways that we've been conditioned in the past, and ways that we've responded to experience in the past has tumbled into this moment, and how we choose to respond now will tumble into future moments, and that this kind of shapes us when we respond out of greed, out of aversion, out of delusion, it tends to shape future responses out of greed, aversion, and delusion. This uh, fundamental teaching the Buddha pointed to, whatever we frequently ponder becomes the inclination of the mind. A kind of succinct encapsulation of the teaching of karma in a way. And if we... Um, make choices out of wisdom and generosity and love, that's what gets shaped in our, in our minds. In our, so this is an important part of understanding how, how things work. That things are conditioned and that choices that are made um, connected with wholesome qualities of mind will tend to lead us towards less suffering and choices that are made connected to greed, aversion, delusion will tend to lead us to more suffering. And then the Buddha said that we should not try to work out entirely how karma works. He said the workings of karma are so vast that if you try to figure it out, you'll go mad. And just a little reflection on this of of like just this moment, being, sitting here in this room. You know, how did you get here? You can reflect a little bit maybe on how you got here this day. But well, how was the first time you came to IMC? You know, who told you about IMC or how did you stumble upon IMC? And what were the conditions that led to that happening? And then what led to that happening? It's like there's this endless web of conditions. I mean, for all I know, at some point in the distant past, turning left instead of right on some random corner is what brought me here. I know some more obvious things that brought me here. But there's so many conditions that come into play that we, we just cannot work it all out. And yet, this is... An, this is kind of an emphasis that we have. We want to understand. We want to figure it out. And yet our practice, our meditation practice, while it can help us to see some of these conditions at play, it helps us to do that not by trying to figure out why things are happening, but rather by kind of doing a we could maybe say a dive into what is happening right now. Just what is happening right now. Not thinking about the past, not thinking about how I got here, not thinking about what happened before that led to this, but just what's here right now. And so this is a, I'd like to kind of explore this as a journey in terms of our practice from looking for the why to just being with the what. So the what of experience is just this present moment experience. 
sensations happening in the body, emotions, moods arising in our mind, thoughts arising now in the mind. It's actually pretty simple. Joseph Goldstein has said, you know, well, there's only six things that ever happen. They're seeing, smelling, hearing, tasting, touching, and things going on in the mind. That's what's happening right now. It's, it's actually you know, relatively um, simple in some ways, although it is kind of amazing the, the workings of the mind are quite... Uh, quite amazing. And just looking at what's happening right now in this moment and what's happening in this moment and this moment in this moment, our minds begin to understand something of the relationship between these moments. And begins to understand how and why we suffer. Not because we've done a deep dive into the past, but we've, because we've seen in this moment what's happening right now. What's happening in this moment? What's happening in this moment? There's a, a teaching, a sutta, where the Buddha points to what things we should pay attention to and what things maybe we shouldn't pay attention to. And he says that for an untaught ordinary person, an untaught ordinary person, that's a person who hasn't met the Dharma and hasn't engaged in the practices of observing their heart and mind, noticing what's happening moment to moment, And this curiosity of what is this experience that is happening right now? I sometimes phrase it, what is the human experience of this? So that it's kind of taken out of the personal to just like, well, what's what's the human experience? This is is a human being experiencing frustration. What's that like? And so this very simple kind of attention, the Buddha suggests, but but he said... um, An untaught ordinary person does not understand what things are fit for attention and what things are unfit for attention. Since that is so, they attend to things unfit for attention and do not attend to things fit for attention. This is how they attend unwisely. Was I in the past? Was I not in the past? What was I in the past? How was I in the past? Having been what, what did I become in the past? Shall I be in the future? Shall I not be in the future? What shall I be in the future? How shall I be in the future? Having been what, what did I become in the future? What shall I become in the future? Or else they are inwardly perplexed about the present. Thus, am I? Am I not? What am I? How am I? Where is this being come from? Where will it go? So again, this is like this connection of what was in the past? How's that connected to the future? Where am I going? What's going on? So this is kind of the flavors of the why questions. And he, he points to a well-taught noble disciple does understand what things are fit for attention and what things are unfit for attention. And so they attend to things fit for attention. They attend wisely. 
this is suffering. They attend wisely. This is the arising of suffering. They attend wisely. This is the ending of suffering. And they attend wisely. This is the way leading to the ending of suffering. Some of you may recognize that as a, a framing or statement of the Four Noble Truths foundational teaching of the Buddha. There is suffering. The arising of suffering suffering arises with craving. The ending of suffering comes with the ending of craving and there is a way leading to the ending of suffering, the Eightfold Path. But this phrasing is more direct. It says, and it's in quotes too, so it's an understanding in the mind. This is suffering is what, what it says. This is suffering. This is the arising of suffering. This is the ending of suffering. And so to me, as I read through this and thought about it, I began to see, oh, this is, he's pointing us into what's the experience right now? And seeing the experience right now, kind of through this lens of the Four Noble Truths, looking at it, whatever is happening right now can be understood as one of these things happening. It will either be suffering, it, will be, it may be directly suffering, we may be right in the throes of anger, frustration, some kind of reactivity. That happens a lot. And so this is suffering, he encourages us to, 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 to notice. Oh, this is suffering. Or this is the arising of suffering. Maybe seeing just in the moment how the mind is inclining towards and picking something up that's moving into suffering. Right in this moment, picking something up. That craving, that holding on to, pushing away, happening right in this moment. This is the arising of suffering. Or maybe we're not suffering. Maybe we're experiencing um, you know, some, some ending of suffering. This is the ending of suffering. Or maybe we're experiencing qualities that are supportive for the path, like patience or mindfulness or kindness. And so whatever we're experiencing in this moment can be understood or seen through, through this perspective. But what I think this really points to here, um, one, one piece that kind of was an aha moment for me, in reflecting on this teaching was this the statement of okay this this is this is suffering 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 happens in the present moment when we are suffering in the present moment it is happening in the present moment it's not actually even though we might think it's um some suffering from the past coming back dredged up to um, you know, some past suffering that's visiting us. It may be suffering that's connected to conditions from the past, but at what's happening in the present moment is those conditions from the past are arising perhaps in terms of thoughts. And then in the present moment, the mind is re-reacting reacting again to that situation, almost as though it were happening right in that moment. And so the suffering is actually 
regenerated. It's not some old suffering sitting somewhere in some pool that suddenly you've fallen into that pool. It is perhaps a memory or some kind of a, of a trigger of a sight or a sound or a smell and the, uh, the mind um, makes connections, pulls things in, dynamically weaves in the moment its relationship to that. And if suffering is arising in this moment, it has been created in this moment. On one retreat, I got to see this really clearly. Um, I had a, a memory visiting me over and over again about something that was painful in the past, something that was embarrassing. I would see this image in my mind and I'd feel the embarrassment all over again. And after many, many, this was a three-month course, and so after many, many times of seeing this, at some point there was the understanding. At first it was kind of like feeling like, oh, this is that old embarrassment coming back to visit me. But at some point there began to be the understanding of seeing this thought coming up and then the mind kind of creating the embarrassment right there, right in that moment. And so this points to how and why it's valuable to just be with what is happening. Because actually, everything that we need to know about what's happening, about our, our experience of the present moment, is happening in the present moment. Everything that we need, need to know for release from suffering is available in the present moment. It may not be, uh, it may not be um, kind of visible to the level of mindfulness that we have right now. But it's not like we have to go back and go through all of the roots and branches of all of our past history and like decouple all of the conditioning that we ever had. But what we need to see is right now in this moment how all of that conditioning is coming into play and we are reacting right now, this moment, we are reacting again. That can be seen in this moment. And the kind of the linchpin of it is not all of that conditioning that happened in the past, but that we are reacting again right now. And this can be seen. It, we can see this in the present moment. So this is the what. What is happening in the present moment is that the mind is reacting to all of this condition, all of these conditions. And so we might see a thought arise and then might see these kind of emotions and feelings come up with it. And so for myself in that scenario, for quite a while, I just saw this memory and the feelings that were associated. Yep, there's that memory and there's the embarrassment. Yep, that's what's happening. And just over and over seeing that, just really patiently. And I've seen this kind of thing in daily life as well. Actually, in a moment, I'll tell a story from daily life. Um, that, that just that patience of just, well, this is what's happening. There's this kind of memory and this kind of feeling that's associated with it. Just repeatedly con- contacting that, contacting that, contacting that over time, the mind begins to understand or it, it, it kind of begins to land more intimately with that experience. Even in daily life, it can do that. 
with just a very light touch of practice, a light touch of connecting with experience, it can start to, uh, because it's seen something multiple times, at least this is, is my experience, that when the mind has seen something, a particular pattern multiple times, it's like each time it sees slightly different perspective of it and gets to know something new about it. And there's an intimacy that that develops over time, not because we're trying to force our mind into it, but but because we're willing to just be there with what's obvious. Like, oh, this is what's happening, and this is, okay, embarrassment and thoughts, that's what's happening. And then just keep going. So the suffering is arising in the present moment. It's created in the present moment. It's constructed based on triggers from the past, conditions, a whole set of conditions from the past. It's created based on um, triggers, conditions that are happening right now. And conditions includes a lot of things. I mean, I mentioned a few earlier. I mentioned, um, you know, our family conditioning, our, you know, our, our physicality, our body, our genetics has an effect on us. Um, the things, the choices we make has an effect on us. But also things like the weather and um, what other people do has an effect on us. So there's this, you know, just wide variety of conditions that come into play in terms of what's happening in the present moment. And the, a big piece of the, um, of the uh, suffering comes from the relationship, how we are relating to this right now. In one, um, and again, to, to not necessarily look back into trying to figure out why something's happening, just noticing what's happening, what's happening, what's happening. You know, sometimes if we're looking for why something is happening, or we think we know why something is happening, that can kind of... Um, obscure what is actually happening because our views, our beliefs, our ideas, our opinions about things affects how we see things. So on one, on one this was a daily life a situation on this, this, this story that I'm going to tell now. Um, I had, um, my, uh, my, my partner had broken up with me. Uh, this was a number of years ago. I was just beginning the practice. First few months of my practice, actually that breakup is what got me into this practice. Uh, and my relationship with all of the emotions, which was a lot of anger and a lot of uh, pain. I was in a, a lot of suffering at that time. And so um, I was exploring and looking at a lot of my emotions around this whole thing. Um, and one of the things that was happening regularly was that I was going to bed at, when I went to bed at night, I was lonely. And as I saw that, it didn't particularly surprise me that I was going to bed lonely at night. I thought I understood why I was going to bed lonely. And, and undoubtedly there was some connection of, you know, well, my, my, my partner's broken up with me and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sleeping alone or, you know, that kind of thing. It was, it was just thinking that I was lonely because I was alone. 
And so, but I was curious about what was going on and seeing that this was a regular pattern, something that came up over and over again, I just started paying attention in a very light way. Each night I noticed that I was lonely. It's like, okay, there it is again. Oh, there it is again. So I had basically once a day to check into this. And over, I don't know, a few weeks or so, I don't know how long this took, but at one point, one evening, uh, I noticed that while I was setting my alarm clock, I had a little digital alarm clock, and while I was setting the alarm clock, that's when the loneliness started. And it was so clear that it began in that moment that it was like, what? What on earth does setting the alarm clock have to do with this loneliness? I had no idea. But I just kept observing each night. And at some point in the evening, and I I noticed this pattern again, maybe a couple more nights, I noticed this pattern of being lonely as I set the alarm clock. And then one evening, as I was setting the alarm clock, I saw a thought flash through my mind about being with my ex-partner in... um, a place in a in a in a place that I enjoyed with him, with with my partner and looking up at uh, a clock, a marquee that had a digital clock on it. So this memory had a digital clock in it, and I could see that there was this connection between what I was doing and this memory. And I could also see that the loneliness was connected to that memory. It was connected. It was a place that we'd been several times. It was Disneyland. I loved going to Disneyland with my partner. We had so much fun. And, you know, what my mind was doing in that moment is, oh, I'm never going to go to Disneyland again. I'm never going to have that kind of fun ever again. So it was reacting to that memory. It was not reacting to being alone in bed at night. It was, that was a surprise to me. It was kind of like, wow, that's not what I thought this was about. And I could also see just how constructed that loneliness was. It was a reaction to that memory. So that all was pretty amazing. But what was even more amazing was the next night when I set my alarm clock. This whole thing, of course, went through my mind of what I'd seen the night before. But what did not happen was loneliness. And I didn't try to not have that happen. My understanding was that something about the seeing of the, you know, the mind's participation in its own suffering. It was like, you know, the mind saw, wow, I'm doing this. I'm making me lonely. Why don't I not do that? That's, you know, that's kind of my rough way of framing what happened there. Is that the mind kind of having seen this connection between its own reaction and its own suffering, it said, "Eh, I don't think I'll do that. But I didn't try to stop it. I I didn't make that happen. It really was this just gentle curiosity about what was happening and the willingness to see just in a very light way, you know, in the daily life practice where I'm encouraging people to just notice things, you know, in a very light way. And that's all I did is, oh, 
going to bed and loneliness. That's what's happening right now. And this all was revealed. How the suffering was being created in the present moment was revealed. So what is actually happening right now? That is our exploration. So many views and ideas and opinions influence us. And those are things that are happening right now. And if we can know, oh, a belief is happening right now, that can be very powerful. As opposed to just being, just believing something and acting out of it. When we, um, when we, see, oh, this is, this is being believed right now, or this view is what's happening right now. That is seeing what's going on in our minds right in the present moment. We don't have to stop those views, those thoughts, those ideas, those beliefs. We just need to turn to them as another what. Another what that's happening right now. Oh, this is what's happening right now. So there's body sensations, there's emotions happening right now, there's thoughts, concepts, views, beliefs. The body feels like this. Can it just be simple? I found particularly in daily life that keeping it simple, not trying to dig what's happening right now. So, so you know, we, we dig a lot looking for the why often, but we can also dig for the what, trying to, like, pull apart our exper- experience. So often it was like I would take something, some experience, and go, oh, let me, like, I'm going to look at that really closely. And I would just try to dive into it, pulling it apart, trying to figure out what it was all composed of. That also is not is not necessarily so helpful. I mean, there's often some greed in that very movement or some aversion, depending on what the motivation is for that diving in. So just a very light touch, a simple, what's obvious? What's here and what's obvious? And patience with this exploration. I think that kind of diving in movement, you know, partly at least comes from impatience. You know, my mind's not figuring things out quickly enough. I've got to give it some help here. I better dig and try to figure out what's going on. But in this particular uh, exploration, patiently letting things reveal themselves by being willing to be present for what's here, that seems to be a more, oh, you know, it's actually a much more um, compassionate and kind way of navigating our suffering. So sometimes our, our deeper conditioning, our deeper struggles have many layers to them. Lots of different parts and pieces. You know, the, 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 the deeper patterns that we have, the ones that are the ones that visit us a lot frequently, they're often like layered upon layered and kind of twisted, tied up in knots. And even there, I find, I found at least in my own practice, not necessarily so helpful to try to pull it apart, dive in and figure it out, but much more be willing to, and I, I kind of this gesture or this sense of, yeah, that's a big mess. Wow, that's a big mess. That self-hatred, that's a big mess. 
can I just hold it kind of with wide arms and let what wants to reveal itself I think of these big messes as being this they're not static they're very dynamic kind of tumbling um, mutating dynamic experiences that now there's this this thread of the self-hatred you know there's the anger part and then there's the fear part and then there's the confusion part and then there's the frustration part and so there's all of these things just happening and kind of folding in on each other and if I just you know I'm willing to sit back and say okay self-hatred what do you want to show me and not try to dive in and dig you know what do you want to show me over time the various threads begin to kind of reveal themselves and we learn something. We learn a little bit about how maybe this thread of frustration plays in and how this thread of a memory of, of how a, a family member reacted to me was. And you know, we, we see these various pieces as contributing pieces, not because we're digging, but because they're arising in the present moment as a what in this moment and seen because we are patiently letting ourselves receive what's happening. And so this um, kind of investigation, this is a form of investigation, but I, I, like, I like the word being with rather than investigation in a way. Investigation often tends to pull into our minds this notion of figuring something out. And being with is much more about a patient quality, a kind of a meeting quality, a landing with quality. Just like, yeah, I can be with it. I can just touch that. Just be with it. That, that being with quality of mindfulness, that is the investigation. Mindfulness available to receive what's offered about whatever is happening to receive what's obvious about whatever is happening. That is the investigation. We don't need to dig or dive or kind of pull things apart. And so that sense of just recognizing, you know, what's obvious? What's obvious about experience? And patience with these bigger patterns you know, for myself, so many different big patterns I've looked at and worked with over the years of my practice. And huge transformation through a patient meeting of these patterns. Just a very patient willingness to see anger each time it ari- arises. A willingness to see self-hatred every time it came up. Deep transformation is possible around these patterns through very patient seeing. And in, in my experience, there's different ways that transformation can, can reveal itself. Sometimes I've seen a transformation happen kind of while I'm not looking. One particular pattern of anger, for instance, I, look, I watched, I, I observed it for, for years. A couple of years, I just was very patiently, oh, there it is again, okay. And I would often see with that particular pattern that it was very strong and kind of pulled me into it. And so I didn't spend a lot of time with it. It's like, yep, I see you. I'm going to put my attention somewhere else because you can take a walk with me, but I'm going to put my attention on my feet 
because it was so strong. It was like it was like a a vortex. It pulled me into it. And so I worked with that anger for years in this way of just saying, "Yep, I see you. Okay." going to pay attention to something else right now. And over the years, what started happening is it began to be less frequent. Didn't happen quite so much anymore. And then one day I recognized that it hadn't happened for a long time. And I couldn't even, like, find it. Even thinking about the situation, thinking about the person, thinking about what I had been so angry about. There was no anger and it has not come back since then. It was gone. And it disappeared when I was not looking. That is also something that has informed my willingness to be patient. Because my idea, you know, I think early in my practice, my idea was I have to figure it out. I have to see it all in order for it to transform. And here was a pattern, a whole big pattern around anger that just disappeared when I wasn't looking. Because I had engaged with it in this very gentle way. Other times I've seen a pattern kind of really get radically deconstructed by seeing in the moment just how it got put together. Kind of along the lines of like seeing that, that, um, how the mind was putting together that loneliness. You know, seeing how the mind was like putting it together in the moment. The why of the moment was seen. Not the why of history, but the why of how is this arising right now? What is the little linchpin that is like, Making that whole tree grow around self-hatred, that was one big understanding. There was a moment when the mind saw that this was a construction, that the mind was making this up. And that was very powerful. Had a huge uh, effect on that pattern. And so sometimes we can see into patterns and and there's a big transformation that's happening through the seeing into it. Other times, it happens completely differently. And so patience is actually really important with this process. Patience for just the, the time it takes to Uh, have patterns transform. But what we can begin to recognize, I think, and many of you have had experiences of seeing how a pattern, you, you see something with mindfulness and there's a little more ease around it, a little more space. It's, it's a little easier to be with it for a while, or we can step aside from it like I did with that anger. And so there's a way in which we're seeing, oh, I'm starting to learn to navigate things a little more easily. So that supports us. We see the value. We see the value of how the practice works. And over and over again through, throughout the years of practice, we get little like hints of how helpful it is. And those help us to have that patience. It help us to have that patience and the resolve to continue to keep going. And so we do need courage to stay with our present moment experience, especially when it's suffering. And we're swimming upstream in this practice. 
You know, the, the, everything that we've been conditioned to do is to, you know, kind of buy into those habits and patterns and follow through on them. But just getting a taste of how the, this different relationship of mindfulness can transform our present moment experience. This is how the mindfulness works. You know, not only does it, do we understand in the present moment how the, the, um, the mind is letting go of the difficult patterns, we start to see the, the, um, the beauty and the value of these uh, qualities of mind, of love, of compassion, of mindfulness. That, that these things feel good. And so on two sides, our mind is, is getting an education. And this will lead us to a very deep kind of freedom and peace. So it's time to stop and thank you for your attention. Mm-hmm.